0: The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org.
1: welcome to this episode of the rod and staff podcast i am your host roger along with my co-host jason and today on the episode we're going to tackle the topic of sanctification But before we get into our topic jason i want to ask you what was the last book that you finished and what is uh, one book that you're currently reading
0: oh man the last book that I finished, look, you kept me, caught me at a weird time. <laughs> the guy who never reads fiction <laughs> has been reading fiction. So I, I recently finished, I think that was the last book I finished, Harry Potter, the first okay. <laughs> the first book. Uh, and funny thing is, uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of the second book uh, too. I'm also reading like 10 other things, unfortunately. Uh, some really good stuff right now on, on uh, believer baptism. And a few other cool things that I'm reading. But in terms of the book that I finished, I I recently just finished the first uh, in the Harry Potter series. So that's going to be maybe the last time I get asked that question and (laughs) answer it with fiction uh, as my answer. What about you? What was the latest that you've read?
1: Uh, So I just finished reading Al Mohler's new book that came out this year called The Gathering Storm, Hmm. uh, subtitled Secularism, Culture and the Church. Um, and then a current book I'm reading, I'm reading like three or four different books at the same time. Um, okay. But a new book that came out is called With All Your Heart by A. Craig Troxel. And it's a biblical counseling book um, that recently came out this year. So
0: cool. Uh, Troxel, do you know if he's at Westminster?
1: Um, I believe so if I remember right that he was a Westminster I'm not sure if it was uh, Pennsylvania or California Westminster but I believe so so it's very uh... name was
0: name was familiar. Okay,
1: great. Well, on this episode, we want to uh, talk about sanctification, and this is a a huge topic, and there's so many different uh, uh, angles on this topic that we can talk about. Um, And I thought that what we could do is start off with um, looking at what the London Baptist Confession says about sanctification, since we have adopted it as a church, and we should start talking about it and discussing different points. This is a good opportunity for us to discuss how they frame things up and even clarify because some of the language uh uh, that they use might be a little different than how we might put it today but just going through their points so they have a section uh 13 in the confession that is on sanctification and they have to read
0: roger before you 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 go on to read that you know we want the people in in the audience who are listening to know that this is a really simple topic that we're going to be able to cover in one short episode, and that everything they need to know about sanctification will be summarized in just one point that you're going to make, right?
1: Absolutely. And then any other questions they have, they can email you or call you, and you'll give them the perfect answer that'll satisfy their heart. So right. don't worry.
0: <laughs> so no, the reality is this is a this is a complex issue. And, and we're gonna we're gonna jump in and talk about sanctification, but yeah. it, it is not something that is gonna be uh, quickly or easily kind of thought through. And part of the, the the good thing that we're gonna do now, part of the the benefit of what we're gonna do is, we're gonna take some time to think about this. And I hope that everyone that's listening will take the time too to to think about what sanctification is and, and not try to have a quick answer. You know, a quick fix to, to their desire to, okay, I want to grow. Well, uh, part of it, as we're going to talk about, is there's there's more complexity and it's uh, something we need to explore, spend time thinking about, delving into the scriptures. So uh, we're, we have, yeah, Article 13 and the London Baptist Confession, but it's not the end all, be all to this discussion, but it'll hopefully get us started.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, we know this is a, a complex topic and often controversial. Uh, with how we even say things we can use phrases that may not be as clear and part Mm -hmm. of even talking about it is to clarify and to sharpen one another and to even become even more clear in how we talk about it to understand that there's different ways as this has been talked about over the years with many different theologians from you know many of the reformers and over the years sanctification is a topic that continuously is discussed even to today we, yeah. we see a lot of books written about it, and, you know, looking at at least a London Baptist, it, it, we're starting with a framework instead of just jump, jumping into this huge topic that could take us different, different places. Um, and so it gives us an opportunity to walk through it and then to even branch off and yeah. to talk about other areas of sanctification that we need to uh, look into and talk about more because it isn't comprehensive. Yeah. It, it's a good framework to think through, but then to give us opportunity to understand it even more, because uh, it is an important aspect of our lives from uh, when we were saved until we get to heaven. This is the period uh, of yeah. time.
0: And 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 we want our listeners to understand that that sanctification comes up all the time in in mm-hmm. almost every counseling situation that you're in, uh, every pastoral visit in some ways is going to touch on this theme, whether directly touching on it or, or being part of what we're trying to kind of um, encourage people toward. And so we, we better have some good sense of what, what does sanctification really mean and uh, how are we to understand it and what, what's going on in this, in this work that God is doing. So yeah, but definitely go ahead and start us out
1: yeah and i think it'd be good just to just to clarify that even as you think of a definition as you're as you're talking about that even if we think of a definition there isn't one that captures the idea perfectly Mm -hmm. we do know from scripture that what the word sanctify means both in the old and the new testament in a in just a simple terms meaning to be set apart for god's purpose we've seen that both in the old testament uh, in god's people and uh, both the temple and the utensils and different things they use to worship god and then in the new testament he sets believers apart for himself so that's just a simplistic word what's sanctification to be set apart but from that spring a uh, huge understanding of how it's used um, uh, in scripture for our lives. So as, as we set that up to go into uh, just looking at this first statement they make, let, let's let, let's see how the London Baptist Confession talks about sanctification mm-hmm. and, and uh, go from there. So they begin by saying that those who are united to Christ and effectually called and regenerated have a new heart and a new spirit created in them through the power of Christ's death and resurrection. They are also further sanctified really and personally through the same power by his word and spirit dwelling in them. The dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed and the various evil desires that arise from it are more and more weakened and put to death. At the same time, those called and regenerated are more and more enlivened and strengthened in all saving graces so that they practice true holiness without which no one will see the Lord. As a big statement. So let's break it down and look at it just statement by statement or sentence by sentence, I should yeah. say. But just starting at the beginning, um, where do they begin when they talk about sanctification as, as you read this uh, statement they make?
0: I mean, they, they begin uh, where they ought, right? They begin mm-hmm. with God doing this work in us, right? It, this, is, this is God's work and it starts with this idea that, okay, yeah, we, they've already gone through in, in the confession, they've already gone through justification and adoption. And now they come to sanctification and they say, look, this is what God has done in you, uh, united to Christ effectually called regenerated. What does that mean? We are given a new heart and a new spirit. Uh, you're a, I guess Paul would say you're a new creation. hmm and it starts in a new creation implies a creator, right? Mm. So God is doing this work. It starts in him. Yeah, He's that, the one.
1: That's good. The source of if it begins with God. And then we think even what he did, what mm-hmm. has the creator done? What is that work that he has done? And, and the confession says that he's given this new heart and new spirit created in them through the power of Christ's death and resurrection. So through the gospel, God has recreated the heart inside of us, that core nature inside of us that controls us and is where our thoughts and our desires and our motives and motions, everything comes out of has been recreated. Yeah. And been reoriented to God.
0: Yeah, and and it's not it's, you know, when we say it's the gospel that does this, absolutely, it's the gospel that is doing this work. But the gospel is grounded in the work of what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. It's because Christ defeated death. It's because Christ was buried and resurrected that now the power of death has been broken so that we can have this new life, mm-hmm. right? And that's, you know, that's part of this this thing we call sanctification this new life especially this language of regeneration that we yeah. see there
1: and, and they use uh, the term new heart mm-hmm. it's not a perfected heart hmm. it's not a fully completed work hmm. it's a completed work to save us and change us but it's the beginning of a work that continues on. I think that's when, in Paul's language, and when he says the new creation, um, that it's the beginning of the new creation, that he's recreating us throughout our entire lives so mm-hmm. that it's not that we're now perfected in a sense of, of our saint dedication, but we're now starting, uh, starting. It's the starting work of God in us.
0: That's a really interesting point, Roger, that, um, maybe I've thought about before. I don't know if I have that that just, I don't know why the way you just said that it it dawned on me. I thought, wow, you know, Paul does think of it that way because look, Paul's always talking or not always, but often talks about uh, giving milk to the new believers. Right. Mm -hmm. And he, he makes a distinction between those who are mature and those who are just starting out, even Mm -hmm. in terms of who you can put in leadership and not, I mean, so he sees the Christian life, this side of eternity as some, Sort of a process of growth as well, and you're right, the new creation aspect that regeneration is just point one. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he, 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 and we go on in this statement, and and uh, they, they talk about how uh, they say we're also further sanctified, really and personally. Mm. I thought that was an interesting interesting use of words of, of trying to understand that. Uh, and then they say through the same power by his word and spirit dwelling in them. What, what are we to make of that? That phrase of this real and personal sanctification that's occurred.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think that the, the, the important thing here, and again, I, I, I'm not, Hundred percent certain that this is what the author is intended. I do think this is, but um, I I could be mistaken. But I think that what they're getting at here is that when it comes to justification, there is something that is uh, you know we we say it's forensic, it's a legal declaration Mm -hmm. that you are now God's, you're made right. Um, But that doesn't mean that you actually are righteous, right? You're you're declared righteous, but you're not actually righteous. Well, sanctification is a little bit different in that he is actually producing this real holiness and righteousness in you. Now he's already done the justifying work, but now there's this real transformation. Uh, that's happening and it's personal in that it's to each and every individual. It's not just a collective thing, um, but it's real and it's personal to each individual believer.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. They quote in the, in the confession, Acts twenty thirty two that says of, of the inheritance that is among all those who are sanctified. And there is this aspect of it's a work God has done. He set apart. He has uh, the words we can hear are positionally or definitively sanctified us but now he's also working that out in our practice in our mm-hmm. actual life that's how it's 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 the real personal aspect of that being worked out now mm-hmm. by the power of his word and spirit dwelling in them or dwelling in us because the, the work that began, began with God and the work that continues in our life is because of God's spirit dwelling in us, yeah. guided by his word. We can't take credit even for our own growth because yeah. it's the work of him in the heart.
0: Yeah. changing. And, and- Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the heart part is like you just said, the heart, we're going to get to that. I'm sure (laughs) talk about that a lot. What's, what's interesting to me is the way they put this language. They say through the same power, and they're referring back to the power of that gospel, the, the death and resurrection, right? The power of Christ's death and resurrection is the same power that is also sanctifying us, right? So it's not like uh, you know, the, these are separate things that now, you know, he's justified us and he's regenerated in one way, but now this is different. No, the same work of Christ is what provides our sanctification as well. Um, and it, the means by which it's accomplished is the word and the spirit. And that's kind of neat too, to, to see, and we see it throughout scripture that the word and spirit are working together, uh, in, in our lives.
1: Yeah, Jesus makes the comment in John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Yeah, um, a reminder of the the word work of the word uh, in our lives. Um, they they continue on this statement and they they really get into what what's occurred, the reality of what Christ has done with sin with the principle of sin where they talk about the dominion of the whole body of sin being destroyed, going to the, to the Romans language in Romans chapter mm-hmm. six. And we were talking about this before yeah. um, in, in what, what has truly been done yeah. with, with sin. Can you explain that a little bit more as we were talking before about it?
0: Yeah. I mean, Romans six is, is a powerful part of scripture. Uh, where Paul is really clarifying for his readers what the gospel has accomplished, and you know, we talk about um, in, in New Testament studies, you've got the indicative imperative paradigm, mm-hmm. where Paul will never command someone to live Christianly if they're not a Christian, right? It's, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's you, this is who you are, so now go live that way. The indicative it tells you who you are what Christ has done for you so that now you can actually respond in obedience. And Romans six says he's broken the power and the dominion of sin. You're no longer slaves to sin, right? You're, you're now, I think he even says something like you're slaves to righteousness in, mm-hmm. toward the end yep. of, of Romans six. And what I think is a fascinating part of, of Romans six is verse 11 where he says, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is, you reckon yourself dead to sin. Know, know that this is what Christ has already accomplished for you. Now you just got to get into your thick head because um, we, we struggle with that. But he's saying, this is what Christ has done. You're dead to sin. You don't have to sin anymore. The power of that sin has been uh, removed and now you're alive to God in Christ, in Him. Now look, it's not separate from Him. Yeah. Whatever we have, we have in union with Christ. Uh, but yeah, when, when it says in the in the confession, it says the dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed. I think that's what it's re- referring to Romans six, saying, "Look, you're free from this."
1: Yeah, and then they get into they they add to that statement where they say the various evil desires that arise from it body of sin are more and more weakened and put to death talking even about just this process that it's not a one and done. Okay. Sin is destroyed. It's done. I'll never sin again. That's not the conclusion from it. It's the reality of of the dominion, that power being broken, but it's going to be at times slowly weakened more and more. And that reality isn't, you know, can t- can look different in, in each other's lives where, mm-hmm. you know, it's broken, but it doesn't mean it's, it's uh, completely gone, that you won't ever have a desire now to sin again.
0: Right. Yeah. And there's, there's still this, this battle with the, the flesh and how that plays out. I'm sure we'll talk about some more, but there's still this battle with flesh, yep. even though the dominion is no longer sin doesn't reign over us like it used to when we were before Christ, and that, that's why. And, and I don't know, Roger, what your view is actually on Romans seven. So we might have some interesting discussion <laughs> uh, on that topic too. But that's why I'm convinced that Romans seven is not about Paul as a believer uh, or, or trying to make the claim that he's just you know as a believer struggling with sin in that way. Although I think that there are struggles with sin certainly, but I think he's saying if you're trying to be free by the law uh you know in, in the most righteous kind of uh, law abiding person possible you're always trapped you can't there's no escape you're a prisoner but if you know who you are in Christ in Romans 8 talked about by the spirit right you're free because of his work the law can't free you the spirit can and that's part of what sanctification is about. It's the freedom that the Spirit has provided for us. Let, let me ask you a question. I know we'll get more into this uh, yeah. as we move along, but th- this idea of desires—this is this is like right up your alley. Let, let's talk about these desires. Not that evil desires are right up your alley. Uh, <laughs> I, I meant. That's great. <laughs> I mean, with regard to, to a lot of this <laughs> biblical counseling that, that you, you've dealt with and think about a lot. I know desires is a big one. Um, what do you think is going on here with the, the, the confession writers here?
1: I think what they're getting at is they're, they're emphasizing two major categories of the heart. When we think of the heart and we think of how we think which is inside uh, or uh, part of heart language and how we what we want, what we desire is also part of want. So our thoughts and our desires motivate and drive what we're going to do. We could have wrong thinking and then we need to renew our thinking as scripture says, renew your mind. That's the right thinking that it's saying, reckon, believe this to be true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But just having the right thinking doesn't mean that that's going to correlate to now the right behavior desires play such a strong role in what you do. You will do what you want. What yeah. you want the most is going to play out. And that could be a good thing or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So I think what they're getting there is that in this in this work that God is doing in the heart of sanctification, he's reorienting and redirecting desires yeah. back to their original design because our desires are wayward. They're rebellious. um, You know, they're the, we want things too much. They're inordinate is the word. I was thinking of that without God changing the desires of the heart, it's, it plays such a huge role in what we're, what we're pursuing. That, that that's where the real work is beginning. It's not this superficial moral outward moral behavior. It's a true, I want to, yeah. I want to do this. Not I have to, not I should, I want to. He changes our have tos to want tos slowly yeah. by reorienting. I think David Powellson does the best at this, where he says, God doesn't uh, kill our desires. He's reorienting them. And shaping them,
0: yeah, that that's really helpful. Actually, I mean, it's it's interesting the, the 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 idea of okay, the dominion now is broken, so it doesn't have that reign over you, uh, and now you're given over to a new owner, right? Where the dominion is now in Christ, and in righteousness now reigns over us. If you look at the way Paul's writing this, but but now we're learning to desire that righteousness we're, we're learning to love our new owner in a sense I, you know I, it just kind of an image that came to mind as you were describing this desire our desires are changing they're reorienting from our own pleasures our own personal um, satisfaction to now wanting to satisfy the one who is our satisfaction
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and that's what's being changed in us as we're th- th- those other desires are weakening And that's why he goes on to say, you want to read that last section, too, of the confession.
1: Yeah, where he says, at the same time, those called and regenerated are more and more enlivened and strengthened in all saving graces so that they practice true holiness without which no one will see the Lord.
0: Yeah, it's like the the evil desires are weakened. The righteous desires are enlivened and strengthened in us. And now we we really do pursue the Lord and we live in faith. And by living in faith, we're practicing righteousness and holiness, not perfectly. Okay. It doesn't say Mm -hmm. perfectly there. And and I think we know that this side of eternity, we don't, but the only way that we will see the Lord is if we're looking at him. And the only reason we'll even look at him uh, is because he's changed us to want to look at him. Mm Mm-hmm. But you had some interesting insights uh, on this idea of um, the practice of true holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Did you want to reflect on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to remember how I phrased it.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> should have recorded our other time.
1: <laughs> the pre-show should have been the show. <laughs> yeah. Um. It- Thinking about this of practicing true holiness without no without which no one will see the Lord, as I was thinking about that and reading what others were saying, um, I think I phrased it like this: that we're not pursuing uh, we're not pursuing righteousness so that we will see the Lord. We are already in the Lord, sanctified, set apart, owned by Him, and we're just living out our identity which allows us to communion with God. An unbeliever cannot communion with God who doesn't know God and hasn't been changed or regenerated. But once you are regenerated, you, you will practice true holiness because the Spirit's indwelling in you, and that allows you to commune with God. So it's, it's, it's flowing out of your position in Christ, you could say, is yeah. now how you're walking, which allows you to see the Lord. So it's kind of a statement of, here's the reality. Believers can see the Lord. Unbelievers cannot see the Lord. It's not a way to find out, am I going to be able to know the Lord? Because if I'm pursuing, you know, all these righteous activities, oh, now the Lord's going to listen to me.
0: Yeah. It's not a competition between different kinds of believers, believers that live out this true holiness versus those that don't, right? No, believers are set apart by the sanctifying work of the grace of God, and they will see the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that passion and desire to see the Lord is also lived out in other ways in our lives, including righteousness and and and, and grace ourselves, etc. Um, but yeah, it, it, this is there's this is barely barely scratching the surface of even one part of one part. Of one part, Uh, you know, (laughs) of this topic, I think we're going to have to uh, continue on this for for another few episodes, likely.
1: Yeah, and I think what what we'll get at next time, next, next time we go over this is there's two other statements that the confession talks about. Mm -hmm. And it talks about um, the continual battle with sin. Uh, which is very important to understand. Um, And then also those times when um, you could fall into sin for a period of time. And at the same time of how our Christian life will look um, uh, because of the work he's done inside of us. Um, I phrased it, you know, um, thinking about sanctification um, that it's really this already not yet experience. That begins with our justification, ends with glorification. And it's that battle. It's going to be that lifelong battle with sin and transformation into his likeness that he's doing in us. Um, and there's so much more, you know, to think about and talk about in how, how we think about, you know, remaining sin. I think when I hear sanctification, one of the things I, I often uh, don't hear as much on is remaining sin. How do we think about the sin we still struggle with? So we've talked about today all the great truths of what God has done, right? Yeah. Yeah. But we we have to address the fact that there's still remaining sin. And how do we view that? How is that connected back to our salvation? How is it connected to our future glorification, right? Those are huge
0: questions. Are you very, very important because I think you know, you get this situation where people think when you even mention the phrase remaining sin, mm-hmm. uh, people think that somehow you're justifying or rationalizing remaining in sin, right? <laughs> you know, they, 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 yes. people think, oh if if you if you talk about the fact that Christians still sin and struggle with sin, this side of eternity that somehow you're condoning sin yes. and you're an antinomian mm-hmm. and uh, you, you just, you're, you're a licentious person. You just want to live any which way you want. And, and, you know, that's not real Christianity that that's kind of the perspective. And I think that that, that can be really harmful to a Christian's walk yep. um, to, to not understand this battle that is raging in us, this already not yet, like you described. Um, And so, yeah, I definitely want to get into that some.
1: And then I think the other one and uh, to think about at the other other side of that is that the the Christian who doesn't quite, isn't wrestling with that remaining sin can really wrestle with assurance. Mm. And your assurance of, am I saved now because I still struggle with something not condoning it, but I still struggle with that—that that sin that we all are going to struggle with in different ways. Yeah. Does that mean I'm not saved now? I mean, these are questions that are so practical in our lives yeah. that affect us, as and and we want to think clearly and 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 flesh it out as best we can. Um, yeah,
0: I guess because sanctification has to do with holiness, right? The and we just we described or read that at the end of that definition. Are, are we saying that, hey, look, this is how holy you must be yeah to be a Christian? No. Okay. We're saying this is how holy God has made you, or this is how God has made you holy. Uh, forget how holy. This is how he has set you apart, um, and he's going to do this work in you, O oh believer. Trust him. Um, but there's so much to get into, Roger. You, you picked a good topic
1: uh, yeah, yeah, and like I said, you, you you will answer all questions, any remaining questions people have. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> Jason's email is pastor. <laughs> Um, so we will pick up next time and and look at the next two statements in the confession i think it's important to go through all of them and to flesh some of those out and then uh, continue on this conversation this is an important topic uh, to think about Um, but as we come to a close of this episode anything uh, come out uh, for you as we were talking uh, something that you think about
0: all of it um (laughs) All of it. Yeah. I just, just trying to, um, kind of think through how to, how to understand the, the weakening of desire, like what's, what's taken place in our hearts there, uh, the weakening of desire for evil things the the enlivening and strengthening of desire, I think for, for righteousness, how that occurs, um, in real time is something mm-hmm. that I'd love to, to explore some, um, yeah. How about you?
1: Yeah, I second that, all of it. I mean, it's, <laughs> there's so much to think about. Um, but yeah, desire is always something I think about too. I actually think about it daily of just how much, is, is our, how much are our lives driven by the question, what do I want? Yeah. In any realm, what do I want? And that and and how does God work in as you're saying, how does God work in that to change that want, to reorient it, to to really make it different in our lives. Um yeah. Yeah, it's an important question, but we hope you uh, enjoyed this episode. If you do have questions or comments, please email us um, and also please subscribe and um, uh, you can find us on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. And uh, we hope we will see you next time.
0: If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.